I'm going to do my best to get us out on time, but I'm thankful that the Lord was touching hearts and lives this morning. How about you? I want to talk to you today about the heart of David again. This whole series, as we've looked at different aspects of David, we've looked at his heart because his heart was in sync with God. God's Word declares that David was a man after his own heart. So when we come to this simple truth today, I believe it's, it's very in line with what God's already been doing in the morning service. And I want you to see David's desire for the presence of God. You can, you can come and you can go through the rituals. You can come and you can sing a little hymn or song. But when God's presence begins to move and touch the hearts of people, when they come and they're weeping and, and they're just coming with, in their brokenness, coming with whatever their needs are, and God's there, guess what? They're never the same again. In the presence of the Lord, there's fullness of joy, the Bible says. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There's freedom. Now we know that the Bible teaches that God is omnipresent. And what that means is that God is everywhere. That we cannot get away from Him. We live, move, and have our being in Him, Scripture says. But the Bible also teaches us that there are times when God manifests His presence. Where we encounter Him in such a powerful way that we know that the presence of God, He's revealing Himself in some way. And church, that's my heart. That when people walk through the doors, when they come into this place, they will have a genuine encounter with God. That they cannot deny His presence and His power is in this church because we welcome Him here. In other words, I want everyone to have a road of Damascus experience just like the Apostle Paul did. Amen? God knocked him down and his life was never the same. <laughs> I want people to encounter God in that way where, where God just overwhelms them and they know His love and His grace and His mercy. Well, I want us to look at, at chapter 6 in 2 Samuel. In verse 1, it says, And again, David gathered all the choice men of Israel, 30,000, and David arose and went with all the people who were with him from Beli, Judah, to bring up from there the ark of God, whose name is called by the name the Lord of hosts, who dwells between the cherubim. Now what's taking place is, Saul has been removed. David has been placed as king over Israel. But there's still residue of King Saul's apathy towards God in the nation. Saul wasn't concerned with the presence of God like he should have been. And because the leadership wasn't concerned about the presence of God, guess what? The people weren't. That's why I pray in our nation, Lord, give us godly leaders that will make godly decisions. I'm not talking Democrat or Republican. I'm talking people that want to live for Jesus. 
Because there's a difference when the leadership in a nation hungers and thirsts for God. Because of this, David recognized the absence of the ark. The ark was where God had promised His people that they were going to experience His presence. He he would dwell in His glory between the cherubim. Between the, the carved angels above the ark of the covenant. And so David, in his heart, church, he said, I want God's presence in the center of my rule. I want God's presence here in the center of Jerusalem. I want everyone in our nation to once again have a, have a, have a heart for God, desire God's presence to have a relationship with Him. David was an awesome leader because of that. Amen? And that's my heart as well. Because I've recognized something, church. That it's not Pastor Milt that's going to change your life. It's not a great worship team. It's not a nice building. It's the presence of God. We need the presence of God in our homes. Just like we need the presence of God in our lives as individuals. We need the presence and the power of the living God if we're going to accomplish His plan and purpose for our lives. Amen? I want us to look. We stopped there at at verse 2. Let's go on with verse 3. So they set the ark of God on a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab which was on the hill. And Uzzah and Ohio, the sons of Abinadab, drove the new cart. And they brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill, accompanying the ark of God. And Ohio went before the ark. Then David and all the house of Israel played music before the Lord on all kinds of instruments of fir, of fir wood, on harps and on stringed instruments, on tambourines, on sistrums, and on cymbals. David was rejoicing and celebrating because he knew that the ark was going to come to Jerusalem. It was going to be center in the the heart of the nation again. The people would have their eyes upon worshiping the true and the living God again. He was excited about it. Guess what? I'm excited because God is in the house. Amen? People don't respond to the altars like that unless the presence of God is drawing them. For some of you, you may have never experienced anything like that, and you may say, that was kind of weird. No, it's not weird. It's God drawing people to Himself. And that's what I want. I don't want to go through rituals. I don't want to just come to church and and do a few things that are godly. I want to come and encounter the presence of the God that loves me and wants to change and transform my heart and life. David made a mistake though. He didn't do his homework. Let's let's go on and look at verse 6 and 7. And when they came to Nachon's threshing floor, Uzzah put out his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen stumbled. Then the anger of the Lord was aroused against Uzzah, and God struck him there for his error. And he died there by the ark of God. 
All he did was stick out his hand to steady the ark because they were carrying it on a cart and he didn't want it to fall. And God struck him dead. And David gets upset. David gets mad. He's standing there with a corpse. And he's saying, God, I'm just trying to get your presence back center in our nation. Why, Lord? He didn't do his homework. If he had done his homework and knew what God had told him, guess what? This never would have happened. Because God's Word made it very clear that the Levites were the only ones that were to touch the furniture of the tabernacle. And that there were specific ways that the Ark of the Covenant was to be carried. There were long poles that they would, they would place through rings at the corner of the Ark. And then they would take the poles and four men would carry them on their shoulders. And if that had taken place, this never would have happened. You say, well, why, who cares about Levites and sticking poles on your shoulders? God does. In church, we live in a time when, it, when people are trying to take God's Word and they're trying to find out how they can compromise with it, how they can you know, get around certain aspects of it, how they can water it down. In church we're going to have the same results that David experienced. Why do you need to know God's Word? Because every word matters to us. Even in the Old Testament, there's godly principles and commands that still apply to us. Even though we're in the New Covenant. God's Word applies to us. In church today, we live in a, in a culture, even in the church, where we kind of disregard things that God's Word says are wrong. Church, guess what? Sin is still sin. And I want you to know anyone caught in a lifestyle of sin is welcome in our church. And we will love them, but we will not say that their sin is okay. We're not going to condone the life that they lead if, it lead if it's contrary to what God has specifically written in His Word. Amen? Why? God has given us these these principles, ordinances, laws, commands. He's given all these things to us so that we know how life works best. Amen? I talk to our young couples all the time. Sometimes they, they say, well, we're going to get married someday, someday, but we're just setting up house right now. Like it doesn't matter. Read God's Word. It matters. And I'm not here to beat you over the head if that speaks to you today, I have no idea. I could go down through the list. Marriage is important to God. Our marriage covenant is important to God. That we do everything we can to make our marriage work, to love and to sacrifice ourselves, to serve one another. This July, Melinda and I will celebrate our 40th anniversary being married. You know, it is awesome for me. But one of the things, church, I want you to know is we haven't had a perfect marriage because there is no perfect marriage. We stumble, we make mistakes, but we come back to the Lord and we love one another and the word divorce has never entered our vocabulary. No matter how frustrated Melinda's gotten with me, 
She has never said that word. No matter how frustrated I have ever gotten with her, I have never said that word. Because before I married her, I said, God, if she's not the right one for me, then Lord, show me now. Stop me from marrying her. Because I don't ever want to go through a divorce. I don't want to do that to my children. I don't want to do that to my wife. And God has, has strengthened our marriage and encouraged us, enabled us to make our marriage work and we have an awesome marriage and I'm thankful for that but when we talk about things like marriage or we talk the Bible says that marriage is between one man and one woman for life that's what God intends anything outside of that is sin when God talks about our sexual relationship the only way that he condones sexual relationship is in marriage between one man and one woman. In church, we have to stand for what God says. We have to stand for the truth. And the reason I had planned this message, you know, several weeks ago, but something happened while I was in Texas that broke my heart. There was a pastor in Austin, Texas, in our denomination that openly preached a message that was contrary to God's Word and the aspect of marriage and relationships. In church, we want everybody to feel welcome no matter what sin they're living in. Jesus wants them to come to know Him, and we do too. But we're not going to compromise the Scripture. We're not going to compromise God's Word because David has an example of what happens when we compromise the Word of God. Death comes into this situation. And I don't know about you, but I want life, not death. Amen? Let's go on and look at this passage. In verse 8 it says, And David became angry because of the Lord's outbreak against Uzzah. And he called the name of the place Perez Uzzah to this day. Now David was angry and the Lord was angry. Have you ever been angry when you did something and it didn't turn out like you wanted it to turn out, but it's because you didn't do it God's way? <laughs> Amen? I guess I'm the only one. Okay. We do that. Why do we do that? We make mistakes and we, we say, well, I'm going to do it this way and I know God's Word says to do it this way, but all of a sudden death enters the situation and then we get angry because we're not doing it God's way and it didn't turn out right. But David had been given direct directions as to how to move the ark. Listen to this. In Numbers chapter 4, verse 5 and 6. When the camp prepares to journey, Aaron and his sons shall come and they shall take down the covering veil. This is in Numbers chapter 4, verse 5. And cover the ark of the testimony with it. Verse 6 says, Then they shall put on it a covering of badger skins and spread over a cloth entirely of blue, and they shall insert its poles. And then in verse 15 it goes on to say, But they shall not touch any holy thing lest they die. So God had laid out everything in His Word precisely how they should carry the ark, but they ignored it. David didn't know it. Church, we need to know God's Word. 
Not just the little bit that I share with you on Sunday morning. And we are a church that preaches the Word of God. And we're not ashamed about that. I'm not going to preach self-help garbage. Because this is our help. Jesus. His Word. This is what transforms our life. This is how life works best. But So later on, we don't know how it happened, but David came to understand this. I don't know if his counselors came to him and told him. The priest talked to him. I don't know if God spoke to him directly. But David had a light that went off that said, Hey, this is how things work best. And church, I want to tell you, it's still how things work best. Amen? I'm not ashamed to tell you that. You apply the word in your marriage. You apply it on how you raise your kids. You apply it to your finances. And and you know me, if you've been here at all, we're not a church that harps on give, give, give. But I want you to know God's word says give, and if you don't give, he says you're bringing a curse on yourself. You've got to live with that, not me. But I am bold enough to tell you that I love you and I want every area of your life to be blessed And if you don't tithe and give offerings according to Scripture, guess what? Scripture says you're bringing a curse upon yourself. You're opening the door for the devourer who's going to come. I had an uncle that he told me all his life, he said, Milt, I've never been rich, but I've never had nothing. He said, I've always tithed and I've always given offerings. And he said, but let me tell you how God's blessed me. He said, I have never been in the hospital. He died in in his 80s. I think he was like 84, 85 years old, finally, when he went to be with Jesus. Until that time, in fact, he, he didn't go in the hospital then. He died at home. Now that's a blessing. That's rebuking the devourer, isn't it? And that's just one example. Church, we could go through all the list of things that our culture says, well, I don't really believe that. I don't want to, I kind of compromise on that. It doesn't really mean that. And church, that's what brings death into our lives. And church, I want life, life more abundantly, because that's what Jesus has promised us. And I've got to hurry. 2 Samuel, let's go back to 2 Samuel verse 10 in chapter 6. So David would not move the ark of the Lord with him into the city of David. He was afraid. But David took it aside into the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite. Verse 11. The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. Church, I want the presence of the Lord to be in your household because God's Word says you will be blessed. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. You're going to be blessed when you welcome the presence of the Lord. When we welcome His presence in our church. When we welcome His presence in our lives. God's going to bless us. And I want to be blessed. How about you? Amen? But David was afraid. And then he realizes that Obed-Edom's house is being blessed and all of his. In verse 12 it says, Now it was told King David saying, The Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with gladness. So now he's bringing the presence of God to be center in the nation and hopefully in the lives of the people. Now there's something that took place though and I want to go to 1 Chronicles chapter 15 because in this passage it says 
David prepared a place for the ark of God and pitched a tent for it. Then David said, No one may carry the ark of God but the Levites. For the Lord has chosen them to carry the ark of God to minister before Him forever. And David gathered all Israel together to Jerusalem to bring up the ark of the Lord to its place which He had prepared for it. For because you did not do it the first time, the Lord our God broke out against us. Because we did not consult Him about the proper order. So the priests and the Levites sanctified themselves to bring up the ark of the Lord God of Israel. And the children of the Levites bore the ark of God on their shoulders by its poles as Moses had commanded according to the word of the Lord. He was excited because they were doing things God's way and he knew the blessing of God was coming to his people. Is that something to get excited about? Church, we should be excited about the presence of God that's here today and and the people coming during worship because that doesn't happen all the time. It doesn't happen in, in a lot of churches ever. We need to be thankful for that and say, Lord, I want more. In 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 13, it says, And so it was, when those bearing the ark of the Lord had gone six paces, that he sacrificed oxen and fattened sheep. David's doing things differently now. The Levites are carrying the ark. But this is interesting. They went six paces, and they stopped, and they began to sacrifice and worship the Lord. And I, I was praying about that. Lord, what's the significance of six steps? Well, the number six in Scripture has to do with man and it has to do with the works of man. And I think David was coming to the place and he was saying, Lord, it's not going to be man's work that brings the presence of God. It's going to be our worship and our prayer and our praise and our thanksgiving. Woo! That'll preach! Amen? Church, that's how we welcome the presence of the Lord. Are you with me? It's through prayer. Every Sunday night when we gather here, we pray. We pray for the church. We pray for people. We pray for the presence of the living God to come and to have His way in our hearts and lives. We worship and we worship and we pray and we, we give praise to the Lord. That's what welcomes His presence. Amen? That's what David was doing. Lord, it's not going to be me who brings the presence of God. I can't do it on my own. But we're going to worship you. We're going to thank you. We're going to praise you. We're acknowledging the sacrifice of God. The sacrifice one day on the cross that God was going to provide that we can have that intimate relationship with Him. Amen? I'm doing good. i got five minutes. Look at verse 16. Now as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michael, Saul's daughter, looked through a window and saw King David leaping and whirling before the Lord. And she despised him in her heart. This was David's wife, but it's interesting, this passage of Scripture refers to her as Saul's daughter. Why? Because she was following in Saul's footsteps in her relationship with God. 
She wasn't excited about the presence of God. She was worried about how kingly her husband looked and that he would look silly in front of the people. In church, sometimes that happens to us. Sometimes God moves on our hearts to, to come to the front of the service or to, to lift our hands or just to worship or to praise Him. And how many times does that Saul spirit say, oh, you don't want to do that. You're going to look funny. People are going to look at you and think, what is going on with you? Notice David's heart, church. I love this. Look at his heart. In verse 20, or where do we stop? We stopped in 16. Yeah, let's jump back to 17. So they brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place in the midst of the tabernacle that David had erected for it. Then David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And that David had finished offering burnt offerings and peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts. Then he distri distributed among all the people, among the whole multitude of Israel, both the women and the men, to everyone a loaf of bread, a piece of meat, and a cake of raisins. So all the people departed, everyone to his house. David wanted to make sure that his people understood that God wasn't there to take from them, that God was there to bless them. So many times we think that God is here to take from us. Well, He's going to take you know, a couple hours of my time on Sunday morning, and if I go to church on Sunday night, another hour or two, and Wednesday another hour, and God wants my money, He's just, He wants to take and take. No, 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 church. David was teaching the people when you hunger for the presence of God and come into the presence of God, God's going to bless you. That's the heart of God. The reason that we give our time of worship and praise, the reason we give financially, all these things we do is because God is worthy. Amen? He's worthy and, and it does a work in us. It transforms us. And we need to do those things. Look at verse 18. And when David had finished offering verse offerings and peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts. He wanted them to be blessed. Then he gave them all, notice men and the women, everyone a loaf of bread. Look at verse 20. Then David returned to bless the household, and Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, How glorious was the king of Israel today. She's mocking him. Uncovering himself in the eyes of the maids of his servants, as one of the base fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. So David said to Michael, It was before the Lord who chose me instead of your father and all his house to appoint me ruler over Israel. He went astray, didn't he? He's saying, Look who's king. Look who God appointed to rule. It's because of my heart for God. Amen? He says, therefore, I will play music before the Lord. Verse 22, and I will be even more undignified than this. And we will be, hum and will be humble in my own sight. But as for the maidservants of whom you have spoken by them, I will be held in honor. 
Therefore, Michael, the daughter of Saul, had no children to the day of her death. So David takes off his kingly robes. He takes off all of his kingly apparel, all the dignified clothing, and he gets real. He says, I'm just one of y'all. I need the presence of God. I'm going to shout. I'm going to sing. I'm going to dance. I'm going to love God because of all he's done for me. I need to worship him just like you. Amen. And church, we need to have the heart of David. I love that phrase, I will become even more undignified than this. Too many times we want to be dignified. You know, I'm Phooey. I don't care if you want to be dignified. I care if your heart is in love with Jesus. If you know Him, if you know the power of His presence, if He's working in your life and in your home, in your family, in your marriage, in your kids. I want you, Doc, David said, I want you to be blessed. Because God's going to bless you when you have that intimate relationship with Him. Finally, Michael, she was worried about what other people think. Church, don't be worried about what someone else thinks about the way you worship. You worship with all your heart like David. If God stirs your heart to raise your hands, lift your hands. If God stirs your heart to sing, to come forward. If God stirs your heart to do a dance like David, that's fine. But make sure it's for him, David said, this is unto the Lord. David wasn't dancing to be seen. He was dancing out of joy for his Lord. Amen. Years ago, I was in a youth camp, and I'm closing. Worship team, you can come. Years ago, I was in a youth camp, and Melinda and I were pretty young, and we were over the youth group, and I was preaching, or helping at the youth camp, and it was actually in Kodiak, and something interesting happened. The, the presence of the Lord just started moving. It was similar to this morning, and people were, the kids were just coming with tears in their eyes, and they were just pressing in and drawing close. And I was just standing over there on the side, and I was just raising my hands and just worshiping God and loving on Him. And, and uh, it was wintertime, and so I had these big old rocky, clunky boots on. And, and I just felt like God wanted me to dance before Him. And, and so I, I just start. I had those clunky boots. I thought, Lord, I'm going to look ridiculous. These boots are this big and this wide and, you know, clunky. And, and the Lord just says, how much do you want me? How much do you love me? Are you willing to look foolish in your relationship for me? And I, I answered the question right then. I said, yes, Lord, I'll look even more undignified than this. And I grew up in a church that dancing was a no-no, so I, I never learned how to dance. So I looked pretty foolish that day. But let me tell you, God touched my heart that day, and I realized that it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks about me in my worship. I'm going to worship God with all my heart. You may be reserved, and you may not 
want to come to the front. You may not want to lift your hands, and that's fine. That's between you and the Lord. But don't ever mock. Don't, don't let a spirit of Michael come upon you where you, where you ridicule or, or someone or put them down because they're passionate about their relationship with God. Because, church, I, I really believe that, that God is giving us a breakthrough. We're closer to revival than we've ever been. We're, get, we're getting a taste of it. And when, when God starts transforming lives, people aren't the same anymore. Guess what? Th- things break loose. So don't be surprised at what God does. I've been in services where I was preaching in the middle of the message. Somebody on the back row would stand up and run down to the altar in the middle of the message. Just crying out to God. I just kept preaching. said, Lord, touch them. Had somebody come pray with them. That's, that's okay. Because it's not about us. It's not about me. It's not about the worship. It's about Jesus and encountering Him. Let's stand, would you? I'm going to ask the prayer team to come if they would, and we're closing. And I know we had a great time of prayer earlier, but if, there, if there's anyone here today that hasn't committed their heart to Jesus, you don't know where you stand if you were tragically in an accident leaving church today. Do you know that you'd stand before God? Do you know that you'd be in His presence for eternity? Do you know that you'd hear the words, well done, thou good and faithful servant? Or would you hear the words, I never knew you? We have a prayer team at the back. We have some at the front. Whatever your need is this morning, before we leave, let's just take a few minutes and bring those needs to the Lord. Is you are.